Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. So Kate, you do a lot of puzzles, correct? I do. Do you give different types of puzzle pieces? Different names. No. Okay, because I was listening to a podcast and they were describing certain puzzle pieces as, quote, all legs. Oh, yeah. All right, so you understand what that is. Yeah, 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 right? I understand all legs, no legs. Right. All legs, no legs. Uh Uh, Some legs. (laughs) Occasional leg. Uh, Some, you know, apparently people in the Tetris community came up with their own terms uh, as well. So I suspect that the Tetris community and the puzzle community have a lot in common are one in the same are one in the same y'all should talk to one another get together i am have a clam i am both i guess yeah i am half tetris half puzzle oh i see i see you traverse in both worlds do you i'm a trezzle a you're a a trezzler or trezzler you'd be a trezzler a a pretzel pretzel i don't know yeah sorry i just had a stroke where am i We're, we're just going to... And by the way, all legs, uh, your legs were recently running in a race, as I as I recall. Yes. So Dad and I mm-hmm. did a 5K together. Yeah. It was slightly rainy. It was 36 degrees. That sounds really pleasant. It, we started uh, the race at 7 o'clock my time in the morning, and we ran our best time ever. That's great. Oh, so the lesson is the worse the weather, the better you do? Apparently. Because you just want to get out of it so desperately that you run as fast as you can to get away from it? Yes, that's 100% accurate. That makes complete sense to me, actually. Yeah. And there's a, there's a good photo. So there's a photographer on the course, right? There's a few. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can usually <laughs> see them, right? So I mm-hmm. see one of them, and I'm running along, and I see him, and I'm waving and smiling. yeah, yeah. yeah. And then as I'm turning the corner towards, I kid you not, two funeral homes, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't see it, and they capture a real good close-up. I think you need to put these on. I, I think you put them on somebody, but I don't think you put it on our Instagram. I think you had to put it on our Instagram. It is, it is a glorious pairing of photos. <laughs> and knowing that you were looking at two funeral homes two, at Betsy. the time that the second was I taken. I was mentally making reservations. Yes, I understand that, yeah. And then we crossed the finish line at like 32.30. So mm-hmm. like, and Dad gets third in his division i get in the top 10 we're never gonna run again because we're never gonna beat yeah that. you already peaked exactly yeah, you got nowhere to go but down now exactly yeah. and that's why you should never try so today's book is about running it's not oh, but today's book is about puzzles it's not today's book is about tetris today's book is on what podcast kate you're getting ahead of yourself oh uh, what is this? Fuse. What is this? Fuse and Kate. That's correct. And who are you? Kate. And who am I? Fuse. Right. <laughs> yeah, Betsy. You can call me either. I don't care. I'll respond to anything. Uh, yes, this is Fuse and Kate, and we talk about picture books and whether they are good or all legs, mm-hmm. as one might say, in right. your tetrapuzzler community. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, you, you, gave me, you gave me a requirement. You spring said book. Spring. Spring. Now, I consider this book today a spring book. Uh, <laughs> no one else does? No. 
They probably don't, but I think it's very much a spring book. I think of it in the spring. Finding this book was like pulling teeth um, because there's an old edition and there's a new edition with different illustrations. And I could find the new edition pretty easily because it didn't come out that long ago. But the old edition, it was in my library. I'm on my library and the entire consortium had the only copy and then it disappeared and then I found it. And that was like a couple months ago. And then you said spring book. And I said, I know the exact book. And I went to get it. And nowhere in sight could I find this book. But I found it, Kate. I found the book. Oh. And now I'm pulling it out for you. Okay. Here we go. Boom. The dead bird. Dead bird. Oh, my gosh. Continuing our funeral home theme. <laughs> Uh, by Margaret Wise Brown. Now, illustrated by, and I'm just going to cut you off because there are two versions. There is the original. It was illustrated by Rémy Charlippe, the guy who did Fortunately, Unfortunately, which is one of my favorite books. You don't remember it at all, but that's okay. (laughs) The new version is by Christian Robinson. So, we have two different versions. It's a rather simple story, so I don't think you're going to be too flummoxed by the This is the woman who had the ghost grandmother. Yes. Okay. She had the ghost grandmother. I guess we've never done. I. No, no, no. We also that... did Runaway Bunny. We definitely did Runaway Bunny. Yeah, but so... Ghost Grandmother, Good Night Moon. Yeah. yeah. Ghost Grandmother, Good Night Moon. Go Runaway listen to Bunny. that episode if you haven't heard it. Yeah. There's I, a Ghost Grandmother, I... Good Night Moon. Very true. Uh, she's in the rocking chair. And uh, no, yeah. So this is another one of her books. So now there's a ghost bird. Well, there's definitely a death. Yep. It's kind of given away by the very title. Yeah. Go read these two books. Okay. Hooray! While Kate does her read, let's talk about Dead Bird. So, The Dead Bird was written by Margaret Wise Brown uh, back in 1938. Now, here's the thing that I didn't know about it. We get a lot of posthumous Margaret Wise Brown books, right? Uh, She left a whole chest of manuscripts. This was not one of them, as far as I can tell. This one was completely independent, had been submitted... And it was published in 1958, but this is remembering that Margaret Wise Brown died in 1952. So when Marie-Mie Charlippe did the art for it, this was post the popularity of Goodnight Moon, which by that point was, you know, becoming a big thing. And people were looking for Margaret Wise Brown books, uh, but she never saw its success. And then, of course, it was reissued in 2016 with new illustrations by Christian Robinson. So I was able to track down an interview with Mr. Robinson with a uh, site called the Secret Society of Books. And he said, the book came through my agent. I would never heard of Margaret Wise Brown, and so it was fresh and I connected with it. I wanted to make it bright and lighthearted, although it touches the subject of death. It is as much about the celebration of life. I did read a few bios about her online. One had mentioned that she grew up on a farm with lots of animals. She had lots of pets, including rabbits, squirrels, and dogs. I read that her pet rabbit died and that she skinned it, so she was familiar with death. Well, this is a book about a dead bird, Betsy. It's kind of in the title. It's a little titular. Spoiler Uh, alert. Yeah. About a dead bird. (laughs) It's kind of about dead bird, people. Uh, yeah, we haven't, we haven't done that many death books. We did Duck Death and the Tulip, again, a dead bird. Which I like that better than this. Oh, what? The Wolf Earl Brook book you like more. Yeah, well, it's it's a rare topic um, in the past for people to have touched. These days, you can't throw a stick without hitting a dead bird somewhere, so. 
Book, you mean? Book? Yeah, that's what I meant. Right. Book, right. Yeah. You can't throw a book without hitting the dead bird. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the original uh, has the dead bird show up right after the title page. You are just... Oh, yeah, no, no. There's no boom. waiting around. Like, it's there's right no there. suspense, like, when's the dead bird going to show up? Whereas in the new book, you, you barely see it. It is so itty-bitty tiny. Yeah. What does that say about our modern society that we can't bear to actually see the dead bird yeah however in the new book the kids that discover the dead bird are way more diverse than in the original which i mean yes i think that you that is uh unequivocally true yeah yeah Yeah. uh also i did check the text is the same in both Mm -hmm. but in the original the text and the pictures are never really on the same page yes in the original they decided to go with a well first of all it's a long thin book yes very uh a very horizontal book you might say you've got two pages of text and then two painted pages and then two pages of text and then two painted yep yeah and that's how the book goes new book portrait old book landscape very well put a good way of thinking of it yes also the new book kind of has the setting of like i don't know new york city central park whereas the old book i mean they could be in the country for all we know there's no buildings in the old book it says woods and you feel the woods and here it says woods and you're like central park it's not it's not woods guys but all right sure to a kid it might be considered woods yeah yeah okay We'll let it go. Both books show four kids discovering the bird, and both show very bland expressions on the kids. That's that's dead bird, all right. But I I definitely prefer the art in the new one Mm -hmm. than the old one. Uh, There's more. It it seems like it's like paper cutout mixed with paint. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I like the diverse cast of characters here. I like the creativity of what they're doing, whereas the old book is very cut and dry i guess i mean i'll i'll, I'll do a little defense of remy shirley um i can't defend the the lack of racial diversity obviously that's that's built in however i will say that his angles that he takes the shots of the kids uh sometimes it's close sometimes it's far i like how he uses the watercolors i think there's something to be said for the old one it has some inventive techniques that i appreciated well here's something in the text that threw me off okay so they come across this bird the text says but it had not been dead for long it was still warm and its eyes were closed but there's no beating heart Mm -hmm. that's how they knew it was dead Mm -hmm. so would you okay before i get into the the, the (laughs) text exactly what you're gonna mention but yeah go ahead before i get into the text though would you touch and then hold a dead bird with your bare hands you're talking to a 45 year old woman (laughs) of course not but i'm not a small child i used to pick up gigantic blue worms and stick them in my mom's face and be like look what i found so you know yeah i probably if it wasn't crawling with maggots and ants um which is usually the case when you find a dead bird i mean it just said that it was warm right so. so it hasn't had time to decompose so Yes, I completely understand the desire to pick it up because how often do you have a chance to hold a wild bird 
and maybe it'll wake up and fly away. Sure. Well, maybe no, it's just cold. Not so much because it says mm. uh, the limp body grew stiff, so they couldn't bend its legs and the head didn't flop. <laughs> and I'm like, kids, this is called rigor mortis. Yes. I mean, I have never seen such a intricate description of rigor mortis in a picture book before. But then it says that was the way animals got when they had been dead for some time. And I'm like, wait a minute, which is it? You just said, and I quote, it had not been dead for long. Well, not when they picked it up, but then they could have spent a good two hours just like flopping its head back and forth until it wasn't going to do it again. I mean, clearly it said its head wasn't floppity anymore. How do you know that unless it was previously floppity? Well, they don't say. It's just not clear that all of a sudden it hadn't been dead for long. Yeah. And all of a sudden now it's been dead for some time. We don't know how much time has passed here. It's entirely possible they've been playing with a dead bird and found it get stiffer and stiffer in the course of things. You know, it's really disturbing though. Was it? In the old book in the original book i should right, say right. uh as they as it has now been said that it has been dead for some time the girl is sniffing the bird <laughs> i she's think it's worse than that real i think she's kissing whiff. it no she's not. Uh, i don't know i, I think, think she's lips. going <laughs> you think, oh, you think yeah. she's that's good bird <laughs> that's good dead bird she's snorting bird is that what you, <laughs> that does sound like a euphemism uh, <laughs> She could be. She could be Snorting Bird. Um, does it say in the text it had no smell? No, no. Okay, so who knows? But I think I think that's some kissing bird, which and, is gross. Well, too. in the in the new book, you've got the three kids like going off into the woods, and then you got the ginger boy in the back who is staying far away <laughs> yeah, from his friends, like, being like, okay, um, "Did y'all I'm, just touch that dead bird with your bare hands?" I don't know about you guys. I'm going to stay way far back yeah, here. I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to keep staying. Going to give back. all of you some space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the the new book does something that you hate. Oh, what's that? Uh well it does says it cut the sentence in half and it, put it on the other page. It, it says but they were glad they had found it because now they could dig a grave in the oh. woods. And they don't do that in the old one? No, they don't. They... Oh my god, they pulled a little engine that could. I hate it when they do that. Yeah, they Look, it doesn't take much effort to finish a freaking sentence on one page, people. Yeah. We have designers for a reason. I just, I just like, it kind of leaves you thinking, though. Yeah. Like, because now they could dig and dig and dig. <laughs> I thought it was more like a 50s reference. They could dig, man. You dig it? Oh, yeah, they could yeah, dig. I mean, it came out in 58. Why not? In the original, as they're digging the hole in the ground, you can really see a good close-up of... The bird, I mean, it's got its mouth open, uh, it's it's fully <laughs> it's, on display it's there. Join the choir invisible. It's, this is an expert. It ceases to be. <laughs> it's pushing up the daisy. <laughs> Whereas in the new book, again, it is so tiny, you can barely see it. It's so strange. I, it's... And then there's like a, a much, there are big live birds in the foreground. And oh, yeah. A, and a teeny tiny dead bird in the distance. Like the, like the artist is almost afraid to deal with the reality of the bird. Whereas the old book. It's right there. It's right there for you to see. You came here. We're selling you this book on the premise of a dead bird. We're going to show you that freaking dead bird. But yeah. both books show this girl going up to the spot where they've now dug a hole. They're putting the bird in the hole. But both books show this girl get, coming up with flowers. Mm -hmm. In the original, the girl looks very solemn. She's very 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they're like reenacting a funeral service. Exactly. Whereas yeah. Which in the, the new one, one <laughs> the girl's like, "Hello." She looks like a happy bride going down the aisle. She's going to marry a dead bird. Or, or maybe she's only ever participated in any sort of service as a but, flower girl. But they're and, all yeah. all the kids are smiling. Even the dog is oh, smiling. Oh yeah, everyone's like super happy. In the new version. Because you can't spell funeral without F-U-N. That's exactly right. I think that's how they should have sold this book. Uh, yeah. And then they sing a song, Betsy. And let me tell you, the song sucks. <laughs> well, kids aren't great composers, Kate. They just came up with this on their own. They should have workshopped it a bit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Before they committed themselves. And... As they're singing the song, both books show birds flying away. I, that, yep. I'm not going to, so I will say, I doubt very much that Kristen Robinson even really looked at the original um, for fear of, of things. So this is both of them coming up with this on their own, I would say. The, the words, I have to read the stupid You don't words. have to read them aloud. They're, yeah, they're here, not. Just, to, just so you guys get a taste of how stupid these words are, let me read them to you. She's dead, right? I'm not offending her. She's oh, she's dead. so dead. Okay, cool. So the book goes, oh, bird, you're dead. You'll never fly again <laughs> way up high with other birds in the sky. We sing to you because you're dead, feather bird. And we buried you in the ground with ferns and flowers because... You're never, you'll never fly again, Ogun, in the sky, way up high, little dead bird. Okay, so when I die, my last name's Bird, I insist that you sing this at my funeral. Are you afraid, like, the bird's just gonna, like, claw its way out of the ground and be like, that's it! That's it! I can't be down here when you, that's the song you chose to sing! No, here's the disturbing part, though. Okay. So, right, so they're all crying, and they're super sad. I mean, not the dog. The dog looks delighted by all well, of this. Well, the dog but... is is licking away the tears of the kids' faces because oh, okay. they're, they're salty. salty. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and they put us on a... They have a stone. I love this stone. And they write on the stone, here lies a bird that is dead. I read it more like, here lies a bird that is dead. <laughs> Betsy, let me ask you this. What did they use to write on the stone? Mm, did they, well, did they just have a piece of chalk in their back pocket? Chalk? Sure, white chalk. Maybe they, sometimes, you know, when you were a kid and you'd take a stone and you'd write on another stone and just make that, like, white words, you know? Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe there's some gypsum lying around. <laughs> the gypsum of Central Park. <laughs> I, neither book explains how these words are written, and I find yeah. it disturbing. Kids just walk around with junk in their pockets. Maybe one of them had a marker, like a white marker. I don't know. I don't know. But in the original, you have this boy and this girl by the stone. They're dropping flowers at this now grave site. Yeah. Whereas then there's these other two boys that are in the woods just looking at each other like, well, didn't think this is how I was going to spend my afternoon, but uh, here <laughs> yeah. we are. It's as good as uh, anything, I suppose. How long do you think we have to wait here? Yeah. Is this awkward? Is this like, can we go? They're just standing there. It's... Yeah. Well, I understand that. I, I've been to a funeral where there's a very similar feel where it's like, do, do, we, do go? we go now? It's how long like, do we... Is it rude to go now? How long do we grieve? Like, like publicly. Like, that's the thing. Like, yeah. I've got something to do. Uh, they put down some plants, and then it says, every day, until they forgot... I love that. They went and sang a song to the dead bird and put flowers on the grave, and then that's the end of the book. I mean, I'm going to give her points for that phrase. Until they forgot, which is perfectly honest. They did it for a couple days, then their minds went elsewhere. And yep. they never thought of it again. And that's the end of the book. And that's the end of the book. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, 
Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those books. So I should say that we have had much better books dealing with dead everything. Well, the third sister, Stephanie, uh, she happens to have a very good picture book called The End of Something Wonderful, which is entirely on this topic, and I will go out on the limb and say, better than the dead bird. <laughs> I will say the duck death and the tulip was better than the dead bird. Oh, I, yeah. oh there is... Um, there's a wonderful Swedish import uh, called All the Dear Little Animals, uh, where a bunch of kids just decide to become funeral directors and bury all the little animals that are dead that they can find. Oh, That's thought, a great book! I thought you were going to say the animals weren't dead, they just found animals. Oh, no, yeah, animals. they're not like animal serial killers. <laughs> who, they just love funerals so much. Though that is going to actually tie into the grown-up thing I like this week. So that's oh, okay. Upside. Foreshadowing, foreshadowing. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, ratings time. You go first. Okay, so... Uh, so this was a posthumous book that came out after Margaret Wise Brown was was herself dead. Um, came out a couple of years after after her death, and I have to say it's it uh, of her posthumous books probably one of her stronger books. It covered a topic that really was not being covered very often. Um, it doesn't have like a big section that says like the birdie went to heaven and is smiling down at the children or anything like that. I mean, it's just a very straightforward. We found a dead bird. That's what kids do, and now we're gonna bury it. Kids also do that. And then we're done. We've forgotten about it. I kind of appreciated the text. The original art by Remy Shirley, you know, I had some issues with it. It's fine for what it is. Now, you come to the new version, they haven't changed the text at all. And I do commend them for that because there is many a fine reprint that they've done. They've changed the text. But Christian Robinson wasn't really putting a ton of effort into this one. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he puts a lot of effort into his books. In this particular case, he did a serviceable job. He didn't do an extraordinary job. He didn't elevate the book in any way. And uh, I don't feel that it is any better now than it was before. I don't really feel this was a necessarily a, a necessary book to bring back. As, as I say, we have so many strong books dealing with this topic now. So, yeah, I don't really think it's a classic. I think it's nice in its way. So I'll give it a 4.5. But I'm not, I'm not loving it. Yeah, I wrote... Um... So, yeah, <laughs> it's lacking. The whole story is just these kids find a bird, they bury it, and they go back to playing. Honestly, I'm sure there's other books out there that are better for kids when it comes to their pet dying or when they come across a dead animal. But why did they think this book needed to be re-illustrated? Because I, the author is famous and she did Good Night Moon. And why money is, to be made, Kate. Money to be made. Why is that girl sniffing the bird? What did <laughs> what did they what did they use to write on the Have stone? Have you considered that the bird might smell really, really good? I didn't like the song either. I, I don't hate the book, but it doesn't do anything for me, so right. I gave it a four. Yeah. I think, I think it's a perfectly fine book for what it is. I don't think it's a classic needed to return Well, with our scores world. combined, it's below a five, so below it's five. not a classic. Not a classic. All right. I don't know if it's a spring book either, Betsy. What are you talking about? It's in the spring. Birds, you just said you found a dead bird head. Yeah. That's where you find them. I guess it is pushing up the daisies. Ah. ah, ah. Okay. Mm. Right. Moving on. Letters time. Ooh. Okay. A lot of people. Speaking of books that people do like, uh, you know, we did Round Trip and a lot, a lot, a lot of people really, really, really like that book. Oh, nice. And really, really, really like that we did that book. Angela said, this is one of my favorite books. I have two copies and use one for training. Oh. She said, I train BED students and in-service teachers. 
that's cool, Anne said, I used to read it aloud to children in early grades and loved the gasp when I turned the book around. Heidi said, I used it in a black and white color theme, story time. Uh, one book creator that I won't name, uh, just to protect the innocent, said, ah, I've just been plotting an idea for a round trip picture book using the flip technique in a slightly different way and I thought I was being original. There's no such thing as a new idea. <laughs> I look forward to listening. And then uh, Nick Brule, who uh, is now commenting on, on the actual episodes themselves, not just the pictures, said, Another terrific episode. Aww. I know. Thank you, Nick Brule. Round Trip reminded me of a couple books I hadn't thought of in a while. The Topsy Tur and Turvies books by uh, Peter Newell. Yeah, that is one that I forgot to mention. Good, good call there, Nick. There were two of them, and they were first published well over a century ago. For anyone who doesn't know them, each illustrated page told a story and when you turn the book upside down, the same illustration would make sense in another way to either tell the same story from a different POV or finish the story. Some didn't work so well, some were a bit forced, but some of them were mind-bending. There wasn't a continuous story like what Ann Jonas did, but it's still fun stuff. And then he has a link to a site that shows those images, so I will include that in the show notes. Very cool. And then uh, we got a comment from Cindy, and this is from a book that we did quite a long time ago, uh, with... Lucy Nisley, in fact. I remember Shrek. Yeah. Well, she found something. I had to I had to check this because the picture threw me off, and I was like, this can't be true. Uh, the creator of the popular cartoon Shrek, William Steig, drew his character from the professional wrestler Maurice Tillett. Uh, the real prototype knew 14 languages. He played chess brilliantly, and despite his frightening face and great strength at first glance, he was a very modest and friendly man. Uh, he was born in 1903 in Russia in the Urals to a, into a French family, which in 1917 returned to France in connection with the revolution. I'm just going to show you a picture of him, and you tell me whether this man looks like Shrek or not. Oh, that's yeah. unfortunate. He had the most beautiful wife you've ever seen in your entire life, and they were incredibly happy together. Aww. Uh, yeah. Don't feel that bad for him. Apparently, everybody just absolutely freaking adored this guy, so. But to say that I'm going to draw an ogre based on what your face looks like is yeah. not exactly a compliment. Oh, no, it is definitely not, but, you know, apparently he had a, there's his wife. Uh, apparently had a, a long and happy life with her. So good, good yeah. for them. So there you go. So thank you for bringing us that information. Grown up things we like. Well, you go first since you mentioned it ties into the book. Oh boy, howdy does it. Uh, so you know we've been taking some old TCM movies uh, that you know, we haven't either. We haven't seen in a long time, my husband and I, or never seen. And we taped Arsenic and Old Lace because I'd never seen it. I've heard of it. I knew Cary Grant. I knew it's like adorable story of murder uh, with two little old ladies who murder a ton of people, but it's so cute. That's what I'd always heard. What I did not know, so this came out in 1944, is that this is the most slapstick thing I've ever seen. It was originally a play, right? Yes. Uh, Boris Karloff was in the original Broadway production playing a guy who's supposed to look a lot like Boris Karloff. Unfortunately, they did not get him for the movie. They did get Peter Lorre as his uh, doctor assistant, Peter Lorre, you know, two thumbs up on Peter Lorre. That man can do no wrong as far as I can concern. The movie does not work anymore. I'm sorry. It is so broad. Cary Grant, who watched this and thought he could be suave? He is just being goofy, goofy. Like, really weirdly, like, ah, 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 looking at this, the camera like, whoa. How is know? this your grown-up thing you like? Oh, um, I like Peter Lorre. 
So two thumbs up on Peter Lorre, who does a great performance in that movie, in spite of the fact that it is a farce, a straight out-and-out farce that uh, is a product of its times. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you want to watch something a little more modern... I do, now. Um, I've started getting into this show called Somebody Somewhere. Have you heard about it? I have not, no. It's on HBO Max. Um, it's about a 40-something-year-old woman played by Bridget Everett. If you're familiar with her, she was she's good friends with Amy Schumer, so you might see her on. Oh, I have her. I've seen her on stuff. I'm pretty yeah, sure. She's yeah, a, yeah, she's a great singer. She's a comedian. She's yeah. a performer. Anyway, so she plays this character who lives in small town Kansas. She hates her job. Her sister just died. Her mom's an alcoholic, and she's really struggling to figure out who she is. But she ends up finding a group of outsiders that. Reminder that she loves singing and they make her feel loved and accepted. It's it's a comedy drama, so it'll make you laugh. It's going to make you cry. And they're coming out with a season two right now. So if you want a nice heartwarming show, go check it out on HBO Max. It's called Somebody Somewhere. Oh, that's a nice note to end on. I think, yeah. uh, I think you chose the right order in which... For us to talk about our things. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there's no major holidays coming up that I can think of uh, in, in the near future. We've done spring. So I'm going back to normal books next time. There is another holiday coming up. What What holiday? May Day. Oh, come on. <laughs> you find me one single. There is no such thing. There is no such thing as May Day. Unless it's like some weird. Or Cinco de Mayo. Okay, see, there you have an argument, but uh, since we're doing old books, I don't think there is a Cinco de Mayo book in that I can think of. But you know what? I like being proved wrong. So audience, if you can think of a classic, which is to say 20 years old or older uh, picture book about Cinco de Mayo that you would consider a classic, please let us know at at gmail.com. Yeah. All right. And until they find that or don't find that, <laughs> I will be Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse Number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse 8 Kate. That's Fuse Number 8 Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM. Or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our Drew Bird is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate, Atienza, and Betsy Bird.